Welcome to Killer Women with your host, best-selling author, Danielle Girard. And now, Danielle's next killer woman. Welcome to Killer Women Podcast, a proud member of the Authors on the Air global network with more than 4 million listeners. I am your host, suspense author Danielle Girard, and my guest today is Samantha Downing. Samantha is the author of the best-selling My Lovely Wife, nominated for the Edgar, the I2W, McCavity Awards in the U.S., the CWA Award in the U.K., and an award in France. Her fourth novel, A Twisted Love Story, is released was released on July 18th, available right now for you. Welcome, Sam. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh my God, this is such a fun story. You are just, you have the devilish stories. I love it. So um, tell our listeners about A Twisted Love Story. Uh, A Twisted Love Story, it really focuses on a couple named Wes and Ivy who are like a tornado and they just barrel through life doing their thing. They are very tumultuous. They're very roller coaster, up and down, break up, get back together and they're so dramatic that other people get pulled into their whirlwind as they sort of pass by. <laughs> and um, other people jump into their whirlwind willingly and try to insert themselves into the relationship. So there are um, often not so good consequences, including death. <laughs> so, and they just keep barreling on. But now a detective has caught on to this and uh, they really have to come together, which they have a problem doing uh, in order to uh, have a united front against their common enemy. Yeah, to avoid ending up in prison, both of them. It's, you know, I, it's a funny thing because at first you're like, oh my God, why are these people together? But then you see their tender moments and you think, I kind of get it too. It's a really it's, it's, it's super, it's a compulsive read. Um, and I, I really, I literally like, I just devoured it. So I'm going to read the dedication. I know you are not going to talk about this anymore because we already had this conversation, but I think, I don't know if, if all readers pay that much attention to dedications. The first thing that I read in any book are the dedication and the acknowledgements. Like, I just always want to know sort of, you know, who the, who the book is dedicated to. And oftentimes, of course, it means nothing to the reader because we don't know the person. Um, and then I, I want to hear like sort of who helped them. So I have tagged this page because it's so fabulous. And it says, for the man who inspired this book, you're damn right I wrote about you, which I just made me, I literally laughed out loud. And then I thought, okay, I am all in. This is so fun. And one of the things we get to do as writers, right, is to is to incorporate, I mean, this isn't obviously a real story. It's totally fiction, but you get to use our emotions, our frustrations, our actual experiences in ways that are really, really fun. So um, I imagine people will have questions about that and you will get to deal with those in your own way. But can you tell us like sort of where the spark, I mean, aside from obviously some some spark of, of experience in this, what was the, what, how did Ivy and Wes come to be in your brain? Like, how do you develop, develop a story when it's happening? Uh, what I wanted to do in this book, my goal was really to make their relationship a character because they are individuals, but when they come together, they become something else and that it has, their relationship has its own characteristics. Um, 
And it's not the only relationship in the book. All the supporting characters have relationships or have had relationships that make them who they are. And so love is actually a character in the book as well. And the the good, the bad, the ugly, all the ramifications of what comes from that. But specifically for Wes and Ivy's relationship, um, I wanted it to be, I, I wanted to represent it in, in a very extreme way, but I wanted to show um, how sometimes couples isolate each other and it becomes yeah. all about each other to the exclusion of everything else. And every couple goes through this, at least in the beginning, they, that person is their everything and everybody else is thrown to the side. And the same is true for Wes and Ivy, um, as well as the influence other people have on our relationships. We think a relationship is between two people, but it's not true. People have opinions. People have um, uh, think ways that they act around you that may be different. And all of that comes from their place, what they've experienced. And it may not, and it is not in any way objective. It is never objective. No. So you have to, so it, 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 a relationship is really its own thing um, that is a, like a living thing to me. And that's what I wanted to do. And I wanted to make a thriller about a relationship. Yeah. I mean that, and that's true. So, you know, Ivy's best friend Heath is a, um, is a big character. And I think this is true. We've all seen friends get into relationships where we're like, this doesn't seem like a good idea. Right. And you sort of try to help your friend, extricate him or herself from a relationship that seems toxic right and yet of course he's not living inside the Wes and Ivy relationship so he can't see you know where the positives all are all he sees is sort of the you know the destruction and their relationship is quite like you said it is a tornado it's very volatile and if you're the friend of one of them, you, you know, you, you want to sort of do your best to protect them. And Ivy's own backstory is quite interesting, right? Her parents are in prison because they were weed growers. Um, and even though weed is elite is legal in California, of course you can't, not just anybody can grow it and, and sell it. So, you know, that of course has a lot of impact on, uh, you know, on the, her, you know, what she wants from a relationship and what she take, you know, takes from their marriage and, and they're in, in to make it even more heartbreaking for the two for the her parents they can't communicate with each other right they're they're completely isolated from one another so anyway that is um it, you're that is absolutely right and you do a beautiful job and there's other characters you know there's other characters who come into this is not at all they are not isolated um in the story and i love the way you've woven in sort of the you know and I, I won't go into the detail because you have to read the book but these other this sort of extraneous characters at Wes's work or the guy in the bar and the way that those people also um, become, you know, real characters in this relationship and um, super, super powerful and feels very for being like, you know, this it is. I mean, in some ways, like, right, it's, it's a thriller. It's a it's a it's a really fast read and you're you're running with it. And then there's these moments you're like, God, this stuff really happens. Like it feels very genuine, very and there's universalities about it that even those of us not in relationships like that can absolutely identify with, which I is a I think a really powerful thing to be able mm. to accomplish. Sam, I I love that you did that. Thank you. Well, I've noticed from people who have read the book, early reviewers and early readers, they are bringing themselves to the book as they read it. It's reminding them of things either personally or that they've seen 
um, their friends go through. So that's another example of how nothing is ever objective. People are bringing in all of their own experiences to what, just reading a book about people who are fictional, who they right. don't even exist the same way we do when we watch a movie or a TV show. It's not real. We know it's not real, but it, our experiences color our opinion of it or our feelings about it or what it personally brings to our memory, all of that. Exactly. And really, it, that is sort of when you when you read a really good book, you you are in it. You are you are there with the characters. You are reacting to their decisions like, oh, no, don't do that. Or, oh, thank God or whatever. I mean, you're really it's it's a really fun experience. It's what makes reading so, so in, enjoyable. So tell us about how Absolutely. you how you work these stories do when you you know are you a plotter are you a pantser you know you start with sort of like an inciting incident sort of what's your process it's um if you don't mind sharing that with us um I am a pantser and uh I don't plot anything so in this I I started I knew that I wanted this tumultuous relationship and then I created the two characters that are in it and I just start writing and I just let it go and it, it comes to me and then the uh, I knew it was going to start with a detective that there was going to be a um, a detective coming to Wes's office in the beginning in the first chapter and that things had gotten to a level where the police were involved by the time we join the story they're already there so uh I yeah I don't I don't plan anything I just write it chapter by chapter and I found that that for me is creatively better because each chapter leads to a new idea I have to write it to have the ideas I can't think it out in advance I'm, I'm not enough of a chess player to be able to think a hundred moves in advance if I try to do that the ideas aren't as good in my mind yeah, yeah I, I I'm the same and it's it's nice to hear, hear from another pantser because I do talk to plotters and think god it sounds so much more efficient and and so much maybe like more comfortable if you knew where you were going. But I also find that this story has to sort of be organic and it's only organic if you don't, if you actually don't know where it's going. Um, so do you ever find yourself like, I, I'll, you know, I, you, you're writing and writing and all of a sudden you realize, oh God, I made a wrong turn. You know, are you, or did you just sort of feel like you're taking, you're taking the time you need as you're writing to really know where it's going and so that you end up with a story that works at the end? Because I oftentimes feel like, oh, crap I went you know way off the wrong road and I have to sort of back up again oh it happens all the time um <laughs> some sometimes I fix it sometimes I throw the whole thing out so I I throw out books all the time in fact I did not have a book come out in 2022 because I threw it out and uh so now I have a book coming out in 2023 and I just threw out another one so I, I don't think I'll be having one come out in 2024. So that is so hard that you, you know, you get to the point where you, you've written an entire, you know, basically a big part of a book or a whole book and realize it doesn't work. I mean, uh, we have a lot of, you know, aspiring authors on that. Um, you listen to the podcast and I think it's a really valuable thing for them to hear. So, you know, tell us about, I mean, you know, as painful as it is, tell us what that's like and how do you sort of, how do you, do you know what do you do and how do you recover and how do you gear yourself up to start again yeah for me um it depends on how strongly I feel about the idea if I'm if I feel really strongly that I want to write this book I may start it 
all over again and, and try a second time the same idea. Um, if I don't think I can make it work or I don't think it's really the st a story I can tell properly, I get rid of the whole idea and try to try to think of something else. Um, now, I don't, sometimes I get through the entire book. I know within the first 5,000 words, it's not for me. It's not working. It's not, something is wrong. Um, and, but typically by around 20,000 word mark, I know if I have a path forward, I know if the story's opening up enough, if I have enough to fill and because some stories are just ideas. Is it really a book is the question. Right. Um, some are better as short stories or novellas and they just can't be big enough to be a book. Um, so a lot goes into it, but yeah, I throw out stuff. I throw out far, far more than ever makes it to publication. Hundreds and hundreds of thousands of words get thrown out. Yeah. That's right. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's the reality of the business, right? Are you somebody who has a lot of ideas? Like do you, do you have like, you have a, you know, place where you store ideas or is it sort of one at a time and you just have to kind of go back to the drawing board? Um, no, I like to sort of strike when the iron's hot. So if I'm a excited about an idea I will sit down and start writing it and see how long the it, I should get more and more excited as a book and sometimes that happens and sometimes it it completely fades and I think no I'm not interested in this idea at all anymore and I get rid of it yeah so, um it, it you just, you it, it, some sometimes it grabs you sometimes it it was just an idea and, and then it didn't go anywhere do those ever sort of reemerge and, you know, like a year down the line, you're like, there was that idea. And now I think there's something else with it or it's just dead. Um, it's typically dead. There might be a new, a new angle to it. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, some books, some ideas are, every idea is not for every writer. I might have a great idea, but it just may not be the book for me to write. Elizabeth Gilbert talks about that in her book, Big Magic, right? That it like lands on your shoulder. And if you, you take it and run with it, it's yours. And if, otherwise you just let it go to, onto somebody else who can, who can write it. I think she had an experience with, maybe it was with, oh, I can't remember. Maybe it was actually Ann Patchett and Lucy Foley. I can't remember, but at any rate, some are not Lucy Foley, but um, Lucy, um, oh, I'm going to get it wrong. Greeley, uh, anyway, yes, I, I think that is a really, um, I think that's a really fair statement. So, um, you know, I, I read um, My Lovely Wife, which I loved, and also your novella, Sleeping Dogs. And I've missed the one um, she started it, which I have to come back to. But they really deal, um, your books really do deal, you know, in large part about relationships and not necessarily, you know, healthy relationships, but but real relationships, which aren't, of course, always healthy. This is obviously something that interests you. Do you feel like this is sort of the origin for your writing that you you sort of are exploring human nature and nature and how we interrelate inter relate or it's just what you'd gravitate towards? Well, I think that, I think that relationships are really the heart of most domestic thrillers. And that's yes. what I write. I don't write police procedurals or, um, you know, detective chasing serial killer. I don't, that's not my story. Mine are domestic thrillers. So they take place within the home or with a neighborhood and it, the relationships are where the problem comes in. So the, um, and I think that's the most vulnerable place for a human is with the people they're closest to. And then betrayal is always part of it. Right. That's, 
foot. That's we right. do as uh, <laughs> so it um so yeah, there are always always relationships and it always has something to do with them in in my thrillers. <laughs> yes, I think that's totally right. And I you know, I love that. And like you said, I think in each of your books the relationship is a character, which isn't always true of domestic suspense, I don't think. Um but I think the way, you mm -hmm. know, the way you write them and even in like Sleeping Dogs, which really is about, you know, a a woman who's a dog sitter, but there's a the relationship between you know, the couple that's divor divorced and the dog is shared between them. That's also, which is really interesting that you do this in a way where those people don't even relate because the whole story is from her point of view. And yet we get a sense very much for what their marriage was. And I think that's, you know, that's, it's a, a new way to actually read about a relationship. And not, you know, most times when we read about a relationship, we are in the point of view of one of the you know, one or both of the members of the relationship. But in that, we're really looking at it from an outsider's perspective, which I thought was really clever. So that was fun too. What? And it's always- Right, exactly. And it's always fun to read a novella because it's like a, you know, it's like a little piece of candy. Um, so I wonder, did that start? Did you think that would be a novel or did you know from the beginning that was going to be a novella? No, I knew it was going to be a novella. It was, I wrote it as a novella. Um, it was during- sometime during the pandemic and uh I wanted something short to write at the time and something uh that would be different a little different than what I normally write yeah um, and I I, I guess it could have been a novel it could have been far more intricate and complex um but it was definitely written as a specifically as a novella yeah, and it really it works. I mean, some things I think you know, it's you can stretch them into a novel, and I'm sure I know that I can imagine like with the neighbor, there's there are opportunities to make that into something bigger, but it works really well as a as a novella. So, um, so do you have a like a you know, are you a show up at the computer every day? How, what does your sort of writing life look like? Every day, every single day, <laughs> I don't skip, uh, and I write in mornings predominantly to the creative part is done in the mornings I might do some revisions or editing in the afternoon but I my brain is fresh I cannot write night um because I'm just too filled with the events of the day um weekends too every day and when I especially when I'm in the, when I'm in the middle of the book definitely and when I'm trying to find a book definitely <laughs> because I, I might be writing a different idea every day Interesting. So talk about that. That's so interesting. So when you're trying to find a book, you, you know, you find some little sliver of an idea and then you just try to grow it. Yep, exactly. And sometimes I go through two or three and throw them all out and the process that could take a month or two and, and just have 20 ideas laying behind me in the dust <laughs> because so, nothing worked. And right. I didn't, so where do they come from? Are you, you know, are you, um, do you find inspiration in from, you know, reading actual news articles, watching people? Can you identify? Yes, yeah, so all of it. I mean, it really can come from anywhere. What I try to do is take something typical and twist it into something else. So in this case, in a twisted love, so a relationship and make it into something much bigger and much more um, dramatic than what we normally see and one that has ramifications that you don't think about. All of my books have one of the things I 
always include is the ramifications of your actions. In my lovely wife, the serial killing couple, they think that they are keeping it contained, but it is affecting their kids, that it is affecting the whole neighborhood. There are ramifications that they don't, they're not even aware of. And the same in a twisted love story, Wes and Ivy's relationship has ramifications on other people that they don't even see because they're so wrapped up in themselves. Right. So that's always an element of my books that everything we do has ramifications and 99% of the time we aren't even thinking about what that might be. Right. So when you start, so when you're writing and you're in a book, um, are you, you know, you're sitting, mornings are good for you. Do you, do you sort of say, I'm here until I'm exhausted. I'm here until I run out. I'm here until I create a thousand words or work two hours or, or five hours. Or how does, do you have sort of a, you know, how do you structure your days? Um, if I'm in the middle of a book, uh, I definitely try to make a thousand words a day. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, sometimes it's more, sometimes it's a little less, but that's the general goal. I don't have like an hour by hour goal, but um, the, I, I typically work on the word count. Yeah. Yeah. And some days that's ideally really, I have, yeah, ideally I have a rough draft in 90 days and that's 90,000 words. Right. Yeah. Wow. And so you're working, that is amazing. So you're working every day, which I actually think there's something really magical about that, right? Because you do have this situation where if you miss a day, it takes a couple more days to kind of get back to it. Right. If you're living mm -hmm. in it, it's so much easier, but that's a really hard thing to accomplish for one. It's just like, there are days, you know, I don't know about you, but there are days I wake up and think, I don't want to do this today. Well, there are certainly days when things that I write get thrown out the next day. Right. I may not keep all thousand of those words. I mean, it, which is why it rarely takes only 90 days. There are things that I cut even along the way. I edit as I go. Most, a lot of people don't or advise not to, but I do. If I change something in chapter 20, I'm going to go back and change everything to make sure it accommodates for that change. Otherwise, all I have at the end is a giant mess. Right. So, um, Fair. I, I continually edit as I go. And it sounds like you sort of structure your day so that you're, you know, you're like creating new material in the morning when you're sort of fresher. And then, like you said, the afternoon might be dedicated to going back and figuring out how that impact in chapter 20 ripples back to everything that happened before that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, that, I mean, I think that's really, that is really inspirational. I think that's the way, you know, you make a beautiful book is really, it's, every, it's, it's all in every day, which I think is mm -hmm. a really, I mean, it's a grueling standard, right? It's a grueling life at the, during some, some periods, I'm sure it's like, you know, oh my God, day in, day out, right? You do, you're living in the book. Those are the people that you sort of spend your days with. It's a funny thing, right? To spend your days with fictional characters. And at the end of the day, to feel like, you know, you're, you're really unwrapped, you're sort of unpacking what you learned about people in that day, but they're not even real. They're not real people, but they're real, of course, to us. And they're real as you're doing it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a, um, I mean, you have to, you have to love to write or don't be a writer. <laughs> you, you better want to sit down and do this because you're going to be spending many, many hours alone with your computer. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And do you have, you know, Sam, do you have people that you, do you plot with or do you walk, talk through things with people or is it all happening inside your head? Um, I have, 
have no I do have a writer's group uh we share our work and get opinions and sort of bounce ideas off so it's not in total isolation which is I think that's really important too right otherwise you sort of sometimes I think I miss the, the obvious things until someone's like well what about this and you're like oh right because you're just sometimes right. too close to it too too close to it right so right so this book um it is and first of all also I want to talk about how much I love this cover you have beautiful covers though what you know Thank and you. she started it with the woman walking with a shovel is so great and you know the he woman with started the knife. it he started oh it. sorry he started it he started it sorry he started it. <laughs> he started it. of course he did we know he started it um but this one I love it's like a you know she's got a rose she's ripped the um the petals off the rose or yeah it looks like she's dropping them it's a beautiful beautiful cover so I mean I dare ask you know what are you what's come do we know what's you're working on now are we uh are we working, working on another thriller we're trying to get this one together since I threw one out so the uh trying again but it is another thriller no details yet because yeah, I'm not it. sure of the details <laughs> right right well you're at it and we love it and this book is out and it is it is really I mean I think the, the thing you do amazingly well and there's all these incredible quotes on the back you know you've got Slick and chilling, a deliciously clever thriller. I love Samantha Downing's books. It's so true. You do have, you really have a um, style and and people, you know, I, I can see why people come back again and again for Samantha Downing books. It's so, so fun. Thank you. Thank you. I, I try to, but, you know, I'm, I'm happy that people love to read them because I know they're all a little off. And a little crazy so <laughs> I appreciate well, there are other people that want to read that for sure we do of course we do in some ways it's like there's parts of us each of us it's a little crazy and another other side of it is that sometimes it's really reassuring to read about somebody who's just a little crazier than you are right or than you feel right <laughs> it, when your life is a little out of control you're like okay but at least my life isn't quite this out of control so there you so, go I love it. It was so fun to talk to you um, today. Everybody, you really have to check out. If you don't know Samantha Downing, she's got, you know, now um, this is her fourth, fourth, did I do that right? Fourth, fourth. Um, yep. fabulous, twisty thriller and a novella. Um, and if you've already read her, then you're going to love um, A Twisted Love Story because it is definitely a Samantha Downing book. So, and we are going to give away a copy of, um, of this beautiful book um on our killer women page so look for that too sam thank you so much for joining me today i it's really fun to get to oh you. thank you we've never met in real life yet no. um are you gonna go to BoucherCon? it's sort of in your neighborhood ish uh i i don't know things are okay. so i'm still trying to get settled here so we'll totally see. I, it's life is hard plus it's labor day weekend which seems like such a strange time but for those um people who don't know BoucherCon is the world mystery convention where writers and fans come together and it's really it's a really fun experience if you can ever get to one and this year's is labor day weekend in san diego which um sounds kind of lovely to me since that's by the ocean and i do not live anywhere near an ocean anymore so um in the meantime check out um samantha downing sam tell us where to find you website um what's your favorite social media and you know where can people you know look at what you're working on yep uh my website samanthadowning.com and i am on instagram facebook twitter at s marie downing um again there's links on my website i'm mostly on 
an Instagram. I am not a TikToker yet. So maybe one day, one oh. maybe one day, but that that is a medium, I, I, a platform I, I don't understand. So mostly you can find me on Instagram and I also have a newsletter. You can sign up on my website. Oh, perfect. That's fantastic. And then you can see what she's working on and which story she's um, she's put in her rear view mirror already, which is really impressive. I'm going to, I'm going to take that to heart next time I have an idea that really is not working. I'll be like, well, Sam would just throw it away. So I guess that's what we got to do. And that does happen. So um, everybody, this has been Killer Women with Samantha Downing. Do not miss a twisted love story. And we will see you next time. Bye.